This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So, what was that all about? Not, not the uh, greatest return back to the Back 365 Stadium against Hull. Uh, we're going to have a look at that match now, and we're also going to look ahead uh, to this week, this midweek's uh, cup game away at Bournemouth. Uh, I am co- I am joined by my trusted co-colleague Michael. How are you, Mike? Oh, frustrated, uh, Mr. Buxton. Frustrated. Um, how can you describe the absolute shower of crap we've all just witnessed <laughs> for the last hour and a half? Uh, I think crap's a great word for it. I'd say disjointed, no idea what they were doing. Um, and you, you know what? This this for me, people have, you know, we, we're ones obviously, you know, to try and support managers. We're very glass half full uh, for, for our sins, I suppose, sometimes. But uh, I can't defend Alex Neal today. I think he got it dreadfully wrong. Firstly, he plays five at the back at home. The amount of times that that hasn't worked now, whether it's for him or, you know, Michael O'Neill. But even if you just take away the formation and go, okay, right, heavy formation. Once again, we've ended up with Daniel Johnson at left wing back. And yes, he did really well down against Huddersfield. But he's he's a bloody attacking midfielder. Like, we've got Henry on the on the bench. I think it was Junior, I think, on the bench as well, if I remember rightly. Uh, we, you know, we've, we, we had cover. We had players who could play in that position. How how are we in a scenario of standing seventeen players, and we've got no backup left back? You know we shouldn't have sanctioned Josh Josh Timon's you know sale. We shouldn't have done it because we clearly haven't got a backup. So that was a, a silly decision to make. It's not like we've done it for financial reasons. So I think that was a bad thing, and not only that. Um, I mean, Chris, where, where do we where do we start? I don't want to go too far ahead, but at the same time, there's decisions that he's made throughout the game. You know, we went four at the back at one point in the second half, which we'll get onto. But we, we went and went four at the back, and he plays Ben Wilmot at left back. Like oh, Christ Almighty! It, for me, the we lost this match when he named that team sheet. That's that's why we lost it. He got it terribly, terribly wrong, um, and I'll leave it there for the time being. But I'm just <laughs> frustrated and I get what people are getting at sometimes with Alex. Like he just needs to 
go with a formation, stick with his formation and and put players in the right positions, not midfielders at left backs and midfielders and bloody, you know, various different places. Um, and the players, though, Dan, do have to have a very big look at themselves. Regardless of who he puts out, there was a complete, I don't know, I wouldn't say lack of effort. Um, they just, actually, no, there was a lack of effort. There really was in certain in certain places. And I, I am going to leave it there. Now. I know I said I'd leave it there once, but I am going to leave it there for the time being. I'm going to let you get your 10 pence worth. I'm going to let you come up for air. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it wasn't great, was it at all? Um, it seemed to we struggled from the off. Obviously, we lost Campbell early doors, which meant we had to reshuffle. Vidigal came on, but you know it's, it's not the same type of player. I probably would have expected Wesley to come on at that point, um, but obviously, you know, Vidigal coming on. Eamon Haksabanovic at that point then does that not leave us with enough of a focal point in attack? Um, yeah, we so obviously Wesley's the sort of the physique to hit, hasn't he? And you can sort of you know put the ball into him. Uh, Campbell's obviously got pace that you try and play balls in either in the channels or in behind. He can sort of play you know, play that way with him. But to play for the guy, he, he's sort of he's a trickery player, isn't he? He's one who you know, he likes the ball to feet where he can take a man and try and beat him. And I did wonder when he did that, like, how are we, you know, this is going to have to come through long, arduous build-up of moving the ball forward. And obviously what happened was Hull were really good at, at pressing. They, they were really organised. You can tell that manager's had a few of them players together for a while and he's got them all knowing exactly what their jobs are. So like I said, they pushed us, they pushed us, they pressed us. Uh, the midfield today was just, just not well, non-existent. 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 Yeah. Um, and and what happened was they they managed to to obviously be through that. They managed to win the balls back in places. They managed to create chances and get themselves two quick goals. At which point, we are not a team that's fluidly scoring goals in the majority of the time. So when we do, then go two goals behind. The confidence of those players out there is not like certain clubs, certain teams will be still be looking and thinking, you know what, we've got a chance, let's get a goal. Um, we can get back into this, still win this game. We 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 won't be thinking that because we don't we don't score enough goals to have the confidence in our own ability at 2-0 down to get anything from the game, let alone win. So you can see the ads drop. Um then he brings Wesley on. I mean I think we probably need to slow down a little bit because we're sort of going through everything. But um, let's let's sort of start pre-match, right? Thompson in for Pearson. That sort of was expected. There was a couple of ways we yep. could have done it. Um, you know, maybe dropped Berger deeper or Loren deeper and add Johnson in the midfield. But then obviously you would have needed to find somebody for left wing back, etc. So there were sort of options. It was nice to have Vidigal back on the bench. It seemed a little bit positive because we did have Vidigal back, didn't it, before kickoff? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was positive to see him there, but I've always made the the, the point to, to you, Dan, and, uh, and whatnot. I mean, Alex Neal's come out and said, oh, you know, he, he, wasn't, he doesn't think he was quite ready. Then he shouldn't be on the bench. I'm sorry, but if you put a player on the bench, he's there to play. So I would rather us have started with him, got, you know, whether it was 20 minutes or 60 minutes or 70 minutes, whatever it was, get that out of him. Let's try and win the game. 
and then take him off later. I don't agree with this whole, let's keep him on the bench and we'll give him 10, 15 minutes. No, flip it round, give him the actual, you know, get the game changers, the game winners on the pitch and you can take him off later. So that, I know the managers don't look at it like that. That's the way I look at it. Um, but I, I, that, I, you said about Vidigal, mate. I, I didn't have a problem with Vidigal coming on. I think that was the right decision. I wouldn't have brought uh, Wesley on because I think when you leave... When you lose Campbell, and you know, regardless of what you think of Campbell, when you lose Campbell, you know he's talking about stretching play and stuff like that. That's what Vidigal does. He, he, you know, he runs around. Obviously, Wesley isn't known as a player who ran around. Although, actually, in contrary, he was the one of the main ones who actually put a bit of effort in and and ran around today. So it's quite ironic, actually. But I got no problem with Vidigal uh, playing, mate. I really hadn't. I think it was the right decision. Um, it was the rest of the players around them in the midfield and they didn't have a flipping clue what they were doing, which meant that he had next to nothing. And ironically, he gets the one chance and he scores. So, yeah, I had no problem with Vidigal coming on, mate. Obviously, you mentioned Wesley there. I thought he basically played really well, actually. When he yeah. Thought he had, I think it was like three shots he had on target. Weren't there? there was a header. There was one that was really... I mean, I, I we sort of was there when we asked that to you, didn't I? This is what we've had to do. This is how, how well Hull have defended. That I think it was uh, Vidigal had brought the ball down and, and you know he had to sort of drop his shoulder, beat a man, played it, played it into uh, Haksabanovic. He's had to hold off the defender and then give it back to Vidigal, and then it's coming to um, coming to Wesley. I think he's played it to somebody else on the edge of the box. Marvin Thompson came and then he's gone to Wesley. He's rolled the defence really good forward line play. You know, he's pinned the defender. Defender can't get near him. Spun spun off him and got a shot and the keeper's tipped it over the bar. Those four players all had to do something really well. Do you know, it wasn't as if the chance didn't just arrive. It wasn't a simple, crazy chance. They all had to do that. And if they hadn't done that, the defence would, would have took control of that situation. And that's what we had to do to break down a stubborn whole organised whole defence and when you compare that to what was happening at the other end of the pitch <laughs> then the, you you can see why we don't score why we think to ourselves why do we have so much of the ball in, in these games and we don't create chances we don't get shots away yet every time the opposition seemed to have it we're, we're a threat to you know, going behind and it's just it was it was literally chalk and cheese one time I remember saying to you look what we've had to do there to create a single opportunity and Luke what the whole of that to do to score the two, three in the end goals? Well, I think I think that's that's the thing for for me, Dan. Right. So their goals were, oh Christ, bloody defense again. Like it was it was ridiculous. I mean the the, the first goal of theirs, if remember remembering the goals in the right order, uh, the the balls kind of come over from from the back. Johnson was caught sleeping to be honest um at left wing back um and then obviously you know will mott's then gone uh, kind of trying to wrestle his way out of it uh it got out muscled to be honest but you know travis has got to take a bit of you know the flack for that he should have come and collected the ball he was very hesitant he's like do i come do i not um but we got out muscled and then there was still a couple of defenders in the box uh that should have been you know potentially picking them up i think it was rose and mcnally if i remember rightly um and again they still managed to get the ball hit it, it goes through, I think, one of the players' legs and and, and goes in. So, you know, really, really poor. And, you know, the, the second goal that, that comes across, you know, they come at the back post, cuts in, 
has a shot. It kind of then, I think, or goes to have a shot. I think finds its way into a, a player that's got plenty of space um, towards the edge of the box and turns and, and puts it in the bottom of the, the net. I mean, it's absolutely, I don't, I'm not going to swear on this podcast. It's absolutely poor that we're in a situation where the defence has cost us two goals. And, you know, I got a message from a, a whole um, kind of fan earlier. Uh, and he was only joking, but he was talking about uh, mould and etc. And my response to him is, no, you di- you didn't maul us. Hull were not good. They were organised, but they were not a good team. We gave them three goals. The third one, you can kind of say, OK, fair enough. Uh, you know, it was a deflection. Could have happened to anyone. They scored three goals without even having to work for them. We literally handed that game on a plate to Hull and... Had we not been like that, we either would have won or at the very least got a point. Um, but we just did not turn up and Hull did not even have to get out of first gear. They were still on the boards and we just gave them the match. It was one of the poorest performances I've seen for a while at home, I'm going to be honest. I'm going off on rants here, have you noticed? <laughs> You're not very happy, are you? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not, because at the very least I expect, Dan, is a bit of effort and a little bit of organisation. And as I said, Alex Neal got it wrong today. The effort was not that... We're getting bloody crab football. We are, we used to take the pee out of other clubs for doing it. And there's nothing wrong when you're trying to get somewhere. But the problem is the defence was right, left, right, left, back to the goalkeeper, right, left again. And they were obviously pressed up high. And we were just so slow and labourous at it. Like, there's nothing wrong doing it with a bit of purpose. But we didn't have any. Yeah, I, do you know, I, for that, I, I see exactly what you mean. I, I blame the midfield personally. Because the defence needs need an outball, don't they? They need an option. They need something. And, and there was nothing. There was no movement. There was nobody yeah. showing. Um, I know when the ball. I went countless times. The ball went out to to Gooch, and Gooch is, is marauding forward down that wing. And I mean, you talk about effort. I mean, the, the players who stood out for me. I thought, I thought Wesley never stopped running. I thought he had a really. You know, he had a good game. He can walk out there and say, you know what, we lost today. It wasn't my fault. Wasn't my fault we lost. I think Gooch, um, whether you think he played well on the ball or defense, whatever, I don't think he ever gave up. I think he tried, and I think yeah. that's sort of his sort of that's that's his sort of game into it. You know, we will always keep going and keep going. Um, and I, th- I think there was that. I mean, Jordan Thompson and Josh Lorenzo in the middle. I mean, what, did you agree with the situation to take Berger off for Wesley? Um, no. Uh, Josh Loren, I'm sorry, mate. Josh Loren, he needs dropping as quick as possible. The guy's head's gone. I, I don't know. He, he was giving balls away. He was he was walking around the pitch. I mean, I'm again, I'm all for backing players, and I hate calling people out. You know that, and anyone who listens to this knows that. But no, Berger should have stayed on. He's the one who puts himself about. He runs around. He's got a bit of creativity. You pointed out, mate, that Loren was very deep. At times, he was behind Thompson. And, you know, as someone who's criticised Thompson quite a lot, yeah, he didn't have a great game, but Thompson was not the problem today. It was the players around him that were the problem. So, no, Alex, again, another one that he got wrong. Yeah, I mean, the thing as well... uh... I don't know if this is I don't know if this is fair to, to sort of throw, but the way it looked to me with I don't know if he was being asked to play this position, but he seemed to be very left hand side of the field and very deep as if he was sort of between the left back and the and the left centre half when we went to the sort of four. And I was sort of looking at I don't understand what 
we're trying to play. Is he part of the defence here? Because he was that deep. He was that far over as well. I'm going to use the word now. I'm not. It's not a nice instead. And, you know, this is just how he's appeared. I'm, I'm not saying he was, but he just looked like he was hiding. He looked like um, he was hiding out there, like out the way, away from the middle of the pitch, away from the centre of the field where he's in there. And, and it's like every time he went up to a player... There was a little touch in the back. They go down, free kick, give it away. He must have done it six, seven times. Do you think, come on, have you not learned yet what's going to happen? And it, again, is it somebody that's just really lacking confidence at the minute? Um, I mean, I mean, I sort of said, you know, I said to you today, is, is, should he, do you think he, he needs the armband taken off him for his own good, really? You know, just to you know, explain to him it's not a punishment or anything like that. He just, you know, it's just not. He's not the leader the team needs. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think he is. And I think the sooner that Baker's back to give him a bit of a kick, the better. Um, and not 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 talking about captaincy. I don't want Baker to have the captain's captaincy. If I mean, you asked me during the match, you know, who who would you give the cap, captaincy to? Um, <laughs> bloody hard question at the minute because there's a bunch of high, you know hiding players on the pitch. The only one I think probably gets it for me is. You know, you may say Ben Pearson. I know he's gets himself yellows. He's going to get himself, but I think his experience is is definitely up there. Uh, ben Wilmot for me probably gets it. Uh, for, from you know, it, he he doesn't go hiding for me at the very least. Ben, you know, he might not be a hundred percent amazing every single game. He didn't have a bad game today today for me, um, but uh, I'm just I'm I'm just so frustrated. I could throw so many comments and so many different people out and. And I'm just conscious that this probably the most irate I think I've been on a podcast um, <laughs> up, up to now, Dan. Um, well, you're 130 in or something. We've finally broken you. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, trying to think of any, any positive. You mentioned Gooch. Yeah, he was fine. Um, again, I've mentioned Johnson already, but it, it doesn't work. I don't get where, where Junior and Co are to be that far away that we've got to play somebody in that position. But we could go all day on that. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think um, you said about the captain, I sort of, I think Pearson, obviously having spoken as well to, um, obviously Steve, who we've had on before, who who's obviously was the kit man at Preston around Alex Neal's time there, he said when, and he said that when Pearson was made captain at, at Preston, he said he was. He was. You could feel the pride in him and himself, and how serious he took that, and how he sort of galvanised that dressing room and brought. You know, he even he obviously said to me before that you were when he was skip. We brought everyone together because they all. He was making sure you know, the standards were high. This, and he took it as a real honour that he was given this armband. And you think to yourself, that's the kind. Of, I think. I'm not saying that Jocelyn doesn't value this armband and doesn't you know doesn't consider it an honour, but. I think we just need somebody. This we need somebody who's just gonna just hand out a few rollickings, I think, and just drag people out and say, you know, standards need to be here. And I, I, I think he might for this group of players, it lacks real leaders. As the as good as Ben Wilmot is, none of the centre halves are massive. You you know, your old school sort of uni throw yourself in front of a shot and you know that kind of defenders. The more sort of. Um, uh, sort of modern day defenders, aren't they? Uh, you know, good on the ball and uh, you know, good thing, good at defending. So play like you know, Ben Wilmot's a real good defender, but he's not a, 
like I say, he's not a, a last line defence. Like I say, all hands to the pump kind of defender, is he? That's not his style. I, I mean, think... you you mentioned good defenders though, mate. Uh, is you know, like Ben Wilmot's fine. He, he's a solid defender. Um, Rose once again. Oh, that guy, I want yeah, to strangle him. Um, yeah, he he, he, a good he was. Start. He dropped off, hasn't he? But he's yeah, he's he's really dropped off a cliff. Uh, there was a cup. There was a missed kick, which nearly led to a goal at one point. Um, I know we don't three isn't isn't working at the back anyway, but I can totally understand why McNally kept Rose out of the Coventry team. Um, oh, I just. I'm lost for words, if I'm honest. We we can't play five at the back anymore because of them. Them three just can't work with each other. We need to stick to a four at the back, and I don't care if you have to put a flipping under twenty ones defender in there to keep that four at the back. We, we've got to, we've got to do something because th- this wing back system is not working unless everybody's fit, and even then, I'm reluctant to do it. But we can, you can talk about tactics all day long. The fact is, the players went hiding today. Um, and yeah, bar the three people, the rest of them could have been on a beach for all so I care. Um, I think, I mean, I, I quite like my idea regarding one last thing on captaincy. I quite liked my idea that I said to you that we should, a bit like we did with the, with the bales and the ashes in the urn, we should have a ceremonial burning of the captain's armband because it just seems to, whoever it goes on, seems to infect them with like poor performance. Well, yeah, forget even having a captain. What's the point? They don't they don't speak on the pitch. Lorenz doesn't speak on the pitch from what I've seen. I mean, the only person who's really given him a rollicking actually was Thompson today. You know, Thompson and even Wesley was having a, a word which says a lot. He's very quiet on the pitch, I've found. But he, even he was like, Christ, guys, come on, I'm pointing a bit of Everton here. Where, where, where are the rest of you? Corners. We didn't concede for <laughs> any corners. However... Everyone that come in, didn't we look vulnerable still? I don't think we won a single single header. We haven't got anyone who just goes and attacks the ball, wins the ball, it's just that piece. How many times did you see the ball? I mean, either you know, um Hall would win the ball but he just wouldn't you know, either one couldn't get goalwards or couldn't get the second touch, or to just, you know, debut up there challenging for it to they just miss it. We just never seem to be anywhere near any of them again. Travers is the only one I think that cut one of them out, if I remember rightly. I think it was a pretty much an unchallenged one. But yeah, you know, again, shocking defensive capability uh, set pieces. We take in our offensive side of things, and you know everyone was getting really peed off because we were getting a few corners and they weren't beating the, the first man over and over again. And the ironic cheers that when we actually got it past the front man was well I said it all, didn't it? Let's let's be honest. I know there's not much time in between these games, but surely you know they've got to. They've, they would have been, they would have been working tactically already pre-season. Everything they would have worked tactically. These games when you kick off the season, you make slight tweaks. You don't completely revamp and go right. We're going to change this formation and spend all the time on the formation. The formation should do it. Should already be in there. The four-three-three. That's how we play. The other, you know, we need to make tweaks. And if we are, if our tweaks aren't including set pieces which you blinking wonder whether they do sometimes, then he needs to get it sorted quickly because we're going to keep losing goals from set pieces. It's going to keep happening. I think that you you mentioned that about pre-season and obviously I do I do understand that the manager, you know, we, people have said, give him time and all that. And then obviously, you know, five, six games and everyone's give up on giving him time, giving them time to bed in and everything. And you say it was worked on in pre-season and that, I mean, Gooch was signed on deadline day one, two. Um, McNally came in after the season started. 
Junior came in on deadline day. Uh, Berger came in after the season had started. Um, who else have we got on here? Bake Junho came in after the season had started. Uh, Wesley came in after the season had started. Haksabanovic, he was the last you know, deadline day deal. So I think um, I think Larice as well, possibly. So I think this that say could be the issue. You know, obviously if we manage to get in seventeen players, then you're never going to get them in for the season start, are you? But if we could have maybe you know just done a few more a few weeks earlier, then we'd be a few more weeks down the line, if you get what I mean. But, um, but that alludes, Dan, to the comment of, you know, the whole gelling comment, which me and you have made the same comment a few times. The problem is, though, Dan, you can't keep gelling when you're going from a five at the back to a four at the back, switching and changing players. OK, injury is fine. You can, you can accept that. But you can't keep, we can't keep using that forever. Like, you've got to play a settled formation and allow the core of the team to, to start. Um, you know, is is gelling really going to be with Johnson at left back? Really? Is that is that what we're going to be doing to gel? Like, I, I I'm all for gelling. We've got to. That's always going to be on the cards, I think, for a few more weeks yet. So that it's always got relevancy. It's very very relevant. But I don't know. The yeah, I don't know. I I just think that when if people thought because I did like some people said. To be fair, I not, may have said the manager should go, but I think if you were starting to say that they're losing faith in him and you know it's just not good enough, they should be doing better than they are. I think if you're, if when you said in the summer that not you personally, but just just you know, Stoke fans, you everyone was saying, weren't they? Oh, we're going to need time to gel. This doesn't it won't happen overnight. We've got to be patient. And I think if if what people meant by patient was, well, give them half a dozen games max. That's not being patient. That that's that's any side who've had three or four signings here this summer. That's not a team that you know, most come in when all the preseason training and time on the training grounds were done, and you're going bang bang bang. Here's your three games a week. Uh, to, to me, I, I think you know he's got. We've got some puff games out in October, and we're going to need some points from them. I agree, but I think you at least give them October before you start judging them. And you, you've you've just got to... But again, I understand what you're saying. Switching things around all the time isn't going to help. And it screams at the minute that he's trying to give everybody an opportunity to, to sort of you know, stake a claim. But I th- it's, I've got Vidigal back now. We need Ryan May back, definitely, because those two are goal scorers. And that will then maybe take... Maybe that will be the, the, um, the opportunity then to go more offensively. Uh, because we do, we, we maybe he feel he'll feel then that if we go for the back and we do concede, um, that we've got more chance of scoring down the other end if we've got May and Vidigal available because those two are two of probably three prime goal scorers in this squad. We haven't got many of them, and basically, we've been playing without probably just Campbell, who's been out of form, uh, not looking himself. He's been the only one available the last few weeks. I think if Wesley would love, example, to play with May and Vidigal. I imagine them three could actually do a really good part, like sort of trio up front and work really well together. Uh, Haksabanovic as well, you can't forget him. Might even be seen uh, 4-2-3-1. I don't really care as long as we go four at the back. <laughs> but yeah. again, it's going to be needing time and we've had injuries to two, the two probably, well, four actually, Stevens, Hoover, May and Vidigal, probably the four players he didn't want to get injured. 
Because yeah, your goals and your and your fullbacks, um, which are so key to the way we were playing before. Let's just hope it improves in time <laughs> when these players get all yeah. get back. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, just so, just some comments, Dan. Uh, I'll, I'll run through. Um, uh, so some sent me a, a, a screenshot, and it was actually uh, the I think like the win percentages. So uh, Alex Neal's forty-seven point nine percent has a worse loss percentage as Stoke manager in league games than Nathan Jones with forty-seven point one, which is quite a stat. So that's uh, one that. We did, draw, we did draw a lot of games under Nathan Jones, didn't we? I think did we did we get like four or five nil nil draws in a row at one point. That was that was a dire time. <laughs> that that's it with us at the minute. We're not even we're not drawing games. We're either winning or we're losing. Oh well, <laughs> losing. Um. So yeah, like I said no, number of comments. So Nate Bailey says shocking. Uh, Jugs Headers says uh, we're watching a relegation team. Um, we've got another one says uh, we look done, finished. Ian Price says no doubt we've signed some good individual talents, but most are development players. We still need decent here and now players. A leader on the pitch and a centre-half who commands the box. I totally agree with you on that. I think he's going to go straight into the market for a central defender again in January. I think he's realised that these guys are probably just not up to it yet. Uh, so it's going to be a long season if not addressed in January, says Ian. Uh, S. Phillips says, the worst part about our club has been uh, win or lose. Funny enough, we've just been saying that. Uh, cue either set of fans calling each other out, whether it be manager in or out, Coates in or out, Campbell in or out, four at the back or five at the back. Why are we so keen to go after our own? Um, another person says rubbish. Uh, John Sherrick says shocking. The manager got everything wrong today. I agree with you on that one, John. Um, oh, there's a number of them. John Forrest says uh, no plan, pattern, spirit, bar Vidigal quality that had League One written all over it. We have a huge problem, and I mean there's a rook more, but the same type of uh, of comments. Uh, and you know, crap all over the pitch. I could go on. There's about 30, 40 more of money something. So um, not great. And I know you're probably going, going to go on to maybe man of the match. I know we've hadn't, haven't had it out long, but my man of the match for that one, it's got to be Wesley. I think when he came on, he did really, really well. It's either Wesley or or, or Vidigal, I think. But uh, Wesley gets it for me. A lot of effort, a lot of huff and puff. Didn't start running. Um, yeah, did did well. Well, we have got so far thirty eight percent of the voters gone for Lyndon Gooch, thirty three percent for Wesley, ten percent for Haksabanovic, ten percent for Vidigal, and then there's other votes, uh, small amounts for Thompson and Hoover, uh, which is ironic since Hoover only played about twenty minutes, but that says a lot. <laughs> um, so yeah, quite a time. Like I say it's, it's quite early doors on that, so plenty of time to change. Um, but yeah, I'm um, there just seems to be a lot of people struggling. I don't know whether it's a reaction of, of sort of back-to-back home defeats. Um, obviously, conceding to it never goes down well, does it? And I think I've, I have seen a few people though saying it's not even like you know it's not seven games. It's been seven years of poor performance, and I've, you know we've had enough and seven and then going on like and you. You have to sort of draw a line in the past, because how it, how is holding what happened under under Mark Hughes, uh, Lambert, 
uh, Rowett, Jones, O'Neill. How is any of that relevant to what the job that Alex Neal's doing? Now, in fact, let's be honest, what is what Alex Neal did last season? How is that relevant to the job he's doing this season? Because there's an entire different side. And we knew when he came in, we knew we were, we were done. We knew that financially we, that we, we were down to a, a bare bones and championship quality squad. And we knew that he was going to need a massive revamp over the summer. We've had that. And it's it's like, well, we were crap last season, we're crap now. But but this this side, this side here that we're playing now, they weren't around last season. So you're not judging them on the past twelve months, you're judging them on the past six weeks. So is that fair to to be going all in as much as people are? I understand the frustration, don't really we're, we're yeah, I totally get the frustration and it has been going on for years, but I'm not sure that's something you can beat this manager with because that's not his fault. Yeah, well, just a bit off, um, not slightly off topic, actually, Dan, I'm not trying to know what you said. Um, there's a lot of comments just coming up at the minute about uh, Vidigal's done his interview uh, with the club and it sounds like he's coming out and apologising uh, to the fans. I'm not quite sure you've got anything to apologise for, Andre, to be honest, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to listen to that one and fall after this, but... Um, so Dan, we were asked a direct question. One of the first comments that we had through um was uh how long do we do we give Alex Neal? Um and or, or should we should we basically sack him? <laughs> was one of the direct questions we actually had. Uh I'll I'll answer that one simply. Uh no, we shouldn't, because we need to give him at least at least until you know Christmas time, I think. Uh and you know, if we are in the bottom three, he's got a lot of explaining to do, I think. Um, but no, in answer to your question, I'm trying to find the name of who it was, and the answer is no, not yet. No, I think I made my point clear on that before. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking, what else? What else is, is there anything else we haven't covered? Haven't covered from the game. Um, like I say, Vidigal, Wesley, three shots, yeah, promising. Vidigal back, looped. He looked, he looked um, decent. Obviously, he showed just how much we miss him, and and I think you know when he gets out there and he's playing with Baker, and I think he linked, he linked up a little bit with Bay when he came on. There wasn't much, too much end product from that, but there was a little bit of like you could see the maybe think the same way, which is promising for the future. Um, what What did you think of the referee? I mean, I, I there was a few sorry. dodgy decisions, but he, he again he didn't impact the game for me. Yeah, I'm not. We did not lose because of the referee. However, that referee was terrible. <laughs> it was shocking. <laughs> Everything, every slightest touch, he seemed to be giving a free kick to them. And then literally, our players could get wiped out, and he was just like, "Carry on." I'm like, "What?" I, I, I was sort of flabbergasted once I sat next to you a few times. I'm like, "What is he doing there? How how is that not a foul? Where's the consistency in the officiating here? There's none whatsoever." I was like, I think I remember saying in the in the previous in this game, just how um, what a good record Hall had got with him refing. Yeah, he'd only um, yeah, where, where, yeah, four wins and a draw from six games. Well, obviously five and five and a draw from seven now. And I was like, yeah, no wonder. <laughs> this is how he refs him. Um, but but yeah, I don't think like I said, I don't think those decisions are such. Um, with the reason we lost, but he certainly did certainly didn't help. I think on the video, I said to you, didn't I? I said obviously, you know, when he um, when we played Watford the other week, and 
Uh, his story came out afterwards, didn't he? He scored the winning goal, and, and it, the story was, as he left the change room at half-time, he, he told Alex Neal he was going to score. Ten minutes later, he, he scored the only goal of the game. I said, do you reckon Alex Neal sort of said to him on the way out at half-time, have you, have you got anything for me, Andre? And he said, boss, yeah, even I can't save this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it was probably, probably along that sort of lines, but... Yeah, fair play. Not that I don't think he's got any reason to apologise, but if if that's uh, you know comes across and that's the people can tell the sincerity and then what he's saying there, and, and that's not the way you're coming off. Then fair play, because at least it shows that he cares. And I think sometimes as well, it's easy to label footballers that you know they don't care. They just they just there for the you know they, they take the money and they don't care whether you win, lose, or draw. Okay, every one of them players has got in today frustrated, frustrated, upset, angry, whatever. But it'll have affected them negatively one way or another. Every one of them, they haven't gone out there and, and just sort of tossed it off and not really care whether they win or not, have they, at all? And, of course, Ant has sent us some. Let's listen to our whole fan who's going to tell us just how great it is winning a game at the Bet365 Stadium. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back on. It's Ant from the Tull and Back podcast. Um, today's game was 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 always going to be a tough one. I thought um, most City fans would probably be happy taking a point from Stoke. Um, don't believe we've won there since 2006 or something like that. Usually not a very happy hunting ground for us. Um, but no, it, 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 the team selection came out. Certainly an eyebrow raiser. Um, usual starters, Scott Twine, Tufan and Liam Delap not involved. Um, I would guess it's because we've had three games in a week and it's perhaps just fatigue rotation um, but you know it, it's showing our strength and depth this season that we can still field a side that's capable of you know putting in a, a comfortable performance away from home at a really tough ground to come and take anything from um, and I thought that some of the new additions were, were, were spectacular today I thought Alsop was brilliant in goal he really gives us another dimension when we're playing out from the back he's a lot more comfortable on the ball than Ingram is I thought Tyler Morton's inclusion in midfield was was great because he he drops deep with Seri and it gives us another outlet when we're trying to play out from the back when teams try and press us high and aggressively like Stoke did today it gives us that that way out and that uh, sort of you know space to counter attack sides because they commit forwards with the press which is when we're at our best um, I thought Seri had another good game I thought Philogene looked really good very, very direct and then obviously Connolly just his usual um, you know annoying self you know defenders hit to play against someone like Aaron Connolly. So and and, and Adama Traore's redemption, you know, it's a, it was a good day for us. I, I I still don't think we we got properly out of third gear, um, but to grind these kind of results out away from home is the kind of results you need to be getting when we're aiming at the top six. And I think now, as the season grows on and and performances, uh, you know, increase as as, as they're doing and 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 the players sort of click and and learn Rosini's style a bit more than. We are definitely in that conversation for a top six side, and I thought today showed that. Um, we've come on leaps and bounds since last season. Stuck, um, stuck shape was 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 a confusing one because I feel like the three five two, you know, gave us a lot of space, um, especially in the wide areas. I'm not entirely sure why you're playing Johnson out as a wing back. Um, very confusing selection from yourselves. Um, but no, it was it stuck a, a team that seemed to be you know, similar to where we were last season where you signed a lot of players and you're still in that transitional period. 
um, you're still waiting for it to click. I mean, you'll probably hear that phrase <laughs> about seven to ten times every game because um, it's the usual, usual tripe you hear when, when apparently a team's you know meant to be learning how to gel or whatnot. But obviously, as fans, you you don't like watching your team lose games, um, waiting for the for the team to click. You know, you've got to find a system to get the best out of the players right here, right now. Um, but no, yeah, very tough game. Very happy to come away with three points. I don't think Stoke will realistically be anywhere near the bottom three come the end of the season. Um, but definitely showing our uh, playoff credentials uh, with wins like this. Thank you. Cheers for that, Ant, uh, from the To Hull and Back podcast. Uh, yes, I, you probably enjoyed your Sunday lunch a lot more than me and Mike did. Um, and we shall hopefully get revenge when we go up to the... Uh, is it Kingston Communications or whatever they call it these days up at Hull? Uh, yeah, I think it's time for a breather, Mike. Let's come back. Let's do these ad- adverts. Come back and let's preview Carabao Cup game away at Bournemouth. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So then, Michael, Cup. The Cup is back. We've had two wins in the Cup, which is the amount of wins we've had in the league, would you believe? So, <laughs> I think we've also scored more goals in the Carabao Cup this season than we have in the league. So, let's... Um, we've got a tough tie, though, haven't we? Away at Bournemouth. Would you like some statistics on this game. So, we have met Bournemouth on 32 occasions. We have 14 victories, 7 draws, and we have been defeated on 11 occasions. We have met them at Bournemouth 15 times. We've won 4, drew 5, lost 6. So, not a terrible record. So, the last 8 meetings between the two sides, though, is not good. 1-1, which was the last day of the season, May 21, when... I think they'd already been promoted, if I believe, if I remember rightly. I think Will Forrester scored for us that day uh, with that little volley from a corner. And that's our only victory in the last eight meetings. One draw and a massive six defeats. So, yeah, Bournemouth have got a bit of a hex over us in recent times. Um, we have, however, played Bournemouth twice in cup games and we've won on both occasions. So, in 1963, we played them in the third round of the League Cup. Sound familiar? <laughs> and we won 2-1 and then we also played them in the FA Cup in 2003 third round Yep, and won 3-0 so we've got a 100% cup record against them so we've got something to, to keep going with um, this season away from home we've played 4, drew 1 lost 3, scored twice uh, we actually have no win in our last away, 8 away games since our 4-0 win at Coventry last season and in fact, of those eight games that we haven't won, we've only scored in two of them. So not a fantastic record in the past, what, 
six months away from home. Uh, Bournemouth's home record isn't much better, though. They've played three times at home this season, drew two, lost one, and have scored just a single goal at home all season. Uh, they actually have no home win in their last five home games, and they've only won three home games since the World Cup. But that is not very good at all, is it? <laughs> no. No. Right, League Cup records. So we've reached round three 32 times in the League Cup, which is quite impressive, I think, actually. Uh, we have 21 wins and 11 defeats at this stage. So if we win anything, that'll be 22-11, a nice 2-1 to one ratio. That, that's that's what we should be doing. For someone stato like me, that's, that's like, uh, lovely to see. <laughs> uh, Bournemouth's round, uh, round three records. They've got here on 14 occasions, won five and lost nine. And in fact, the furthest they've ever got in this competition is the quarterfinals, which they did three times uh, in the last t- t- in the last 12 years, in fact. They've got to that stage. Um, so away from home against top-flight teams. Do you reckon we've got a decent record against uh, top-flight sides away from home in recent years? Or not? Uh, no. Well, our last five games where we play in the League Cup against teams in the Premier League away from home we've won all five games goes back really? to 2010 so 2021 we beat Watford 3-1 away and when Josh Timon scored that cross so cost comes shot um, that was in the, in the Carabao Cup in 2020 we beat Aston Villa away 1-0 and we beat Wolves away 1-0 um, in 2016, we beat Liverpool away 1-0 in the semi-final. Obviously, we then sort of lost on penalties, didn't we, on, uh, after drawing on aggregates. But the, the actual game itself, we'd won 1-0. And in 2014, uh, we went to Sunderland and beat them 2-1 with a double from Mark Moniesa. So last, like I say, we are unbeaten five games over 13 years since we last lost away from home to a Premier League side. Really surprised me that I did. I, I, I wasn't expecting anywhere near that kind of record. <laughs> and what we do for a Mark Moniesa back at this club right now? Well, I wonder what he's doing. <laughs> he's, I think he just signed for, I think he has just signed for somebody a couple of weeks ago. I saw it on, um, on Twitter slash X whatever you call it these days uh, on this day would you like an interesting on this day go on then so we're talking 27th of December uh, 27th of December 27th of September are we so it's actually interesting because it's cup football related Stoke City's first foray into European football Kaiserslautern so we won the first leg 3-1 then we go to Kaiserslautern go away to in Germany 3-0 down after just over an hour. Tony Waddington, obviously we need a goal because we're now 4-3 down aggregate, sends on club legend John Ritchie to try and grab a goal. What do you think happened, Mike? Uh, we come back and won the game. So he's sent on to grab a vital goal. Nine seconds later, we were sent off for hitting Yugoslav international Idris <laughs> Hosic. So he literally walked on the pitch. Within nine seconds, he thumped somebody and got sent off. Perfect. And then we, and we lost 4-0 and went out 5-3 on aggregate. <laughs> How very stoke of him. So maybe, maybe that'll be Ben Pearson. He, he's a good battle. <laughs> he'll send him on the pitch. Come on, Ben, go, win, go get back in this game. And he'll go, oh, I, didn't, I remember you from when I was here. Smack. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> I'm sure he won't do that. I'm sure he's much more professional than that. Uh, but yeah, that was on this day. Um, the referee, Graeme Scott, Premier League referee. Do you know, do you, are you... Yeah. Uh, 
you uh, recognise his work? You know who he is? Yeah, I do. Two games a season, 12 yellows, one red, one penalty. In his career, 201 games, 623 yellows, 36 reds, 50 penalties. Uh, 44% home wins in his career. Uh, he's ref Stoke on four times, nine yellows, no reds, no penalties, four is one penalty against. One win, one draw and two defeats. However, away from home, we are undefeated with a win and a draw from two games. Uh, he last refed us... Uh, he last dressed us in March 2021, a nil-nil draw away at Cardiff. Uh, he had, he's ref Bournemouth 14 times, give them 28 yellows, no reds, give them no penalties on one penalty against them. However, he has sent off three opposition players when refing Bournemouth in 14 games. They've won five, drew five, lost four. And the last time he refed them was a 2-2 draw away at Fulham last season. Now, a little bit of information about Graham Scott. He is a former goalkeeper. So he was playing only football, who's a goalkeeper that he had to retire at 27 due to a back injury, took up refereeing just as a bit of a hobby more than anything. And uh, it turned out that the, the the powers that be thought he was quite good. And uh, yeah, he got, he got shot up the leagues. So... We always sort of say, don't we? People say, you know, former professionals and former footballers should go to into refereeing. So it looks like maybe on this occasion, you know, it's worked out. He's, he's had to retire from playing. He's refereeing and maybe he can see the game in a different way because he's played it himself, even if he was a keeper. We've been OK with referees this season. Can you think of anyone that's really cost us the game? I can't think of anyone who's really cost us the game, can you? I don't know about costing the game, but the guy gets. I mean, the guy today was bad enough. The guy gets pressed. <laughs> oh my God, that was a bad referee. Oh, he was bad, <laughs> wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think we've had any major sort of howlers. He, did, he was just consistently bad throughout the game. I've seen that uh, Bournemouth lost today. By they the did. Way. They lost three-one. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, we've got actually talking about we've we've got some audio from Kirk from the Cherries Red Army. Um, who we spoke to a few times on this podcast about um, Sam Surridge and about Mark Travers and that. Uh, so he sent us his thoughts ahead of the game. And obviously we've got Graham McGarry's prediction, as always. Um, so shall we have a li- listen to them and just, just get a feel for how Bournemouth are, sort of either feeling down in on the south coast going into this match? Hi, guys. Kirk here from Cherry's Red Army. I'm actually... Currently just outside the Amex after our Sunday loss against Brighton 3-1. I'm in the park and ride queue waiting to head back to my car for the two-hour journey back to Bournemouth. But you've asked for my thoughts ahead of our Carabao Cup game against you guys at home on Wednesday. And it offers an opportunity for us to build some confidence. I'm not sure whether Andoni Iriola will go strong and get some confidence into our starting lineup players ahead of Arsenal next week in the Premier League or whether he switches it up and gets some game time in some fringe player, gets some minutes into some players. But we are still yet to win in the Premier League and our only win has come in the Carabao Cup. So for us we're not panicking too much. It's a new era, it's a new process. We've had a lot of new players come in under our new ownership. And some of these players are not even available yet. The likes of Tyler Adams, Alex Scott. And we are trying to get to grips with a new manager in Andoni Iriola and his style. And although we have been improving the last few weeks, today's performance, although okay in parts, 
the sloppiness with all three goals that we conceded, the two goals either side of half-time that really would have hurt us and the third goal which is poorly conceded by us with a free header from Matoma will obviously hurt us between now and Wednesday and we'll have to go back to the drawing board and the training ground and understand why we are conceding goals quite softly at the moment but I know as a Bournemouth fan myself I'm not too worried I know as the season goes on I'm sure we will get better we will improve I don't think we will be in a relegation scrap I think we will win many football matches but it's just a tough spell at the moment because the calendar of fixtures we've had this season has been very, very tough. We've had to play the lights of West Ham, Tottenham, Brentford, Chelsea, Brighton today. These are fixtures that we got nothing from last season, absolutely nothing, and we've got three points on the board. So that's the Premier League for us. In the Carabao Cup, our history is not very good. Well, we've had a few quarterfinals, but generally cup competitions we don't very go deep into. So we are looking for maybe a little cup run. That would be nice. Maybe we can perform on Wednesday night at home against you guys. Um, I know your, your forms, I think, have been inconsistent as well. It'd be nice to welcome back Ben Pearson. But ultimately, we want a good performance. We want to get a result. We want to progress into the next round. And I, and I do think we will win this game. I think we will be too strong just about on the night because we have got a strong squad and I think it will be Bournemouth to Stoke now. Hi there you Potters predictors. Well it was a bad Sunday afternoon wasn't it? Losing 3-1 at home to Hull City. You've got to quickly put that behind you. Well as we know there's no league points at stake but it's all about getting the performance and a result for Alex Neal and the side that he picks against Premier League opposition in Bournemouth who themselves are finding it obviously a little bit difficult in the Premier League. But they'll see this one as a game that they should be winning while Stoke will start as the underdogs and hopefully that can play in their favour and they can play without any pressure. Alex Neal will certainly change his starting 11 and the one that he picks has got points to prove ahead of the next championship fixture. So can Stoke make further progress in the one and only cup that they've won in all their history? It's going to be difficult. There'll be a hard side to beat Stoke when I have to go Bournemouth 2, Stoke 0. Cheers, Graham. And, of course, cheers, Kirk, there from the Cherries Red Army. So, interestingly enough there, Mike, he's... He's sort of saying that he'd like to win because I was wondering, are they actually bothered about this? You know, they've got Arsenal next weekend. They've only got two points in the league. You know, yet to win a game in the league. You know, are, are they actually that bothered about this competition when you know we've seen ourselves what a struggle it is to get back in the Premier League when you when you come out of it? Um, but yeah, so as far as Kirk's saying, he thinks that you know they'll they'll want to win. He certainly wants them to win and would like to progress. Um, I think he was saying as well that they haven't got a great cup record, so they've not had them deep cut runs and days out at Wembley kind of stuff in then cups. So, so they probably, uh, yeah, they probably like seeking that, aren't they? Which I know we just sort of did when we were in the Premier League once the cup game because you felt you could actually get somewhere in them when you were sort of just by being you know in in, in the top flight. So yeah, I think uh, they'll probably put a half decent side out. I think. Yeah, when they played the um, the first game, the last round for them, uh, I think they changed the goalkeeper. I think Radu played in goal. Um, Max Aaron's played. I think you've got um, Phil Billing played. Now he's got a key player for them. Uh, Joe Rothwell, who's obviously been a great player for Blackburn in this league, he played. Solanke, uh, Justin Cliver, David Brooks, Keith Keith Moore, Jaden Anthony. So 
especially attacking-wise, that seems to be where their strengths are. I was looking through the squad, and I'll be honest, defensive midfield, I wasn't amazingly impressed. I was thinking, this is a Premier League squad. Doesn't doesn't scream Premier League at me. Screams maybe upper championship. Uh, but then when you do, like I say, you get to the forwards. I mean, you look at Antoine Semenya, he hasn't even touched, kicked a ball this season yet. Uh, Keith and Walcott can barely get any of the team. Like I say, Jay Nancy's a decent prospect. Uh, David Brooks, Clive, Solanke, the real good, good attacking players, aren't they? That's where their strength definitely is. Yeah, I mean, you say obviously that they want to win the game. I, I probably would say so. I mean, I don't, th- I don't think they're going to get relegated. I think they're going to be too good for that. There are, there are other teams that um, are, are worse than them, to be honest. So I think they'll see that as a really good opportunity to get further in the in the cup. You know, if, for a team who isn't going to get relegated necessarily, but obviously isn't going to really do anything else either. I think that they will be looking at this as a great opportunity to go on a bit of a cup run. For us, Dan, I'll be honest now. I think we won't be won't want to actually be anywhere near this cup tie. I would not be surprised to see us put out a really, I won't say weak because we've got got very few options anyway. But um, I think if you offered us now a a loss and we just all stayed at home, I'm pretty sure they might consider that. If I'm honest with you, so I I don't think that the Carabao is going to be anything that's of any interest to us now. FA Cup, I'm a bit more bothered about the FA Cup. Um, as far as the Carabao goes, yeah, it's great if you've got a an easier home tie. But um, all credit to anyone who goes down to Bournemouth to watch this one uh, midweek. But I, I, I do genuinely think that we would be happy just to let this one go at this point. Do you not feel that maybe trying to get a victory in this and you know, the confidence boost a win away to Premier League side, whether it's a depleted eleven they put out or not? Do you not? Do you not think that maybe that that could just be the catalyst for a boosting confidence? Well, where was the boosting confidence and catalyst when we beat Rotherham six one? Wasn't there, was it? I, I dare say that that <laughs> um, beating Rotherham and beating Rotherham at home, beating Bournemouth away, could be uh, classed as two separate <laughs> two separate things when it comes to a boosting confidence. Um, I was going to I was going to say if we if you win four one I mean I know when we won four one we we were okay at the start but uh, you know it, that that's confidence for you if you know if you I think Alex Neal mentioned something I only caught part of Radio Stoke on the way back uh, walking home and I think one of the comments was around um, oh no the players might not be the players might not be very confident um, and someone someone was on the phone and said well you know we've we've won four one we won six one if that doesn't inspire confidence then what will. Um, and I think it's a very fair comment. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying, Dan. You know, yeah, I don't want us to lose any game, obviously. But I just think now at the minute where we are, I just think we need to get unscathed because that's an important one. We can't afford any more injuries. And we need to get away from there unscathed. If we fluke it and we go through, great. If we go out, I really couldn't care less uh, with this one. I just think we need to concentrate on sorting out our league form. and And that's really the priority for me right now. I've got sort of two sides to it. I do think that right now, uh, midweek off would have been just what Alex Neal ordered. Uh, I think he would have loved to have had a free week where he could get on the training ground with him, work on a few things that obviously need working on, um, and obviously sort of build, try and sort of build them back up on the training ground. Uh, I think he definitely would would have enjoyed that. Obviously, that's not the case because we've progressed in the cup. But I think as well, 
you look at obviously there's, there's a lot of messages out there a lot of talk about pressure on the manager and I think you know the win like that just it just calms a little bit it just gives him a little bit of leeway and takes the pressure you know, just releases a little bit of pressure on the squad and I, you know that's that for me could be vital in just keeping keeping everything turned until this sort of gelling and everything else that we've that, that we are sort of waiting for to happen sort of comes more into effect. Fingers crossed, as we keep saying. Hopefully it does. Um but yeah, I think it I'd say a win away Bournemouth will just ease ease that sort of talk once he's a bit so bloody hell, this is what we're capable of. Why can't we just do more often rather than we're rubbish, we're crap, we're going to League One. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna go down at all, Dan. I've seen some comments, I know people are angry, I know I've been very quite vocal on this one. Um, I don't think we're going to go down. I mean, whether that's blind optimism, you know, because you could say, well, based on the form and everything so far, you know, what have you got to hold on to? Um, only for the fact that I don't think we can get too much worse of our current form right now. Uh, I think we haven't won in we haven't won in five. Um, so yeah, but like I said, we're talking about Bournemouth. So I mean, for me, do I think we'll play four at the back or five at the back? You know what? I think he'll go five at the back again. I don't think we're going to play a 4-3-3 against Bournemouth. So I think it's going to be very, very similar. Um, I don't think Jack Bonham's going to go in goal, if I'm honest with you. I think Travers will will still keep that, uh, personally. I mean, I, do, do you I see... In the words of... Uh, has he been confirmed as he can't play, Dan? Well, uh, we've not had anything to the contrary which would lead me to believe that he can't. Right, I've got to say, because that's the only caveat to that comment, is whether yeah. he was allowed to play. Yes, I, I I think we're sort of along the lines of he's probably can't play, uh, unfortunately. Okay, well, Jack Bonham goes in to, to throw a ball into his own net then. So he, he'll... he'll, he'll... <laughs> He'll go in goal, and I'll be honest with you. I'm very struggling. I'm struggling for for players because it's easy to say drop X, Y, and Z, blah blah blah. Um, I've, I've probably I'll call out a few of the ones that I think will will happen for me. Uh, I think Hoover will come back in, uh, at right back. I just I think he needs that again, unless he's not allowed to play um, in the cup, which I can't imagine them being too many problems with it. Unless they're thinking about bringing it bringing it back in January, I'm not quite sure how they'll go with that one. But let's just say he can play. Uh, so we'll go with Henry at right back. Uh, Wilmot and McNally will go um, into my two centre back uh, spots there. Uh, Lyndon Gooch for me has to go left back. Uh, we've then got uh, Ben Pearson uh, coming into it uh, as well. I think he'll want to play against his old club. And then we're going to have Johnson and Sadibi um, in the middle. I'm going to get Sadibi back in uh, just because I think Josh Loren needs dropping. Uh, so Sadibi has to get a, a bit of a chance. Uh, been a while since we've seen him. And then again, Haksabanovic, I think, might do with a little bit of a rest. And if, as far as that creativity and what I've seen from him, bar today's performance, where he actually, he did he did try. I just think he just didn't work. But uh, I still think he's a very good player. So I think we're going to drop him, or rest him rather than drop him, but rest him. Uh, Lloris, I think, will come in uh, right, uh, kind of right forward or right wing, whatever you want to look at it. Um, up front in the middle is going to be Wesley. I think he'll get rewarded for, for that. Who plays left, you know, left side of the the kind of front three? I'm going to be honest. I haven't got a blinking clue. I, I don't know which way we go. I mean, who who would you play uh, in Vidigal's space? Because he's obviously going to rest Vidigal. He's not going to risk him. I'm actually going for about four. So I've got Bonham in goal. I've got Henry, Wilmot, McNally, and Gooch as about four. Uh, Pearson, 
is the holding player with Berger and Johnson because I think it gives the manager an opportunity to have a look at that. It takes Josh Loren out of the firing line and also, like I say, you know, how do we perform without Josh Loren? Um, so that's why I think those three there could have you know, some actual, you know, the, the roles could really suit there. Uh, I think that could be our best midfield at the minute. Uh, I've actually got Larice on the right. Uh, I think he will defensively help out uh, Hoover and stuff and Henry. I think when Henry goes forward, Larice will be on the cover. Um, so obviously the pace and that, that that Bournemouth can attack with won't be as much of an option. And I think as well, the the um, defence, I think if he can hurry them and, and run, you know, Wesley's going to be playing down the middle. If them two can you know, really lead the press and drag Haksabanovic with them, then I really think that that's an opportunity there to to put some pressure on Bournemouth in possession at the back and hopefully you know create some chances from that or even just you know you create some territory if if they you know, lose passes because they cause they are being pressed. Um, I like the idea of Stevie's on the bench for me uh, with Loren, Rose, Low, Gale, Bay, Junior, Vidigal, and Fielding. I still don't believe Fielding exists. I've told you this before. I, I, I said the... Uh, the fra- why, why didn't you go? You should have gone to Buxton this week. You could have met him and everything. I, t- I said to you at the time, it's just a body double. They dragged off Stokes, you know, corner. <laughs> there was a homeless guy sat in the corner. Yeah, you'll do. Come on. No, no one's ever seen him before. Anyway, they won't know. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? I wish I would have done. I, I Work made that impossible, if I'm honest with you, so that wasn't even going to be an option. But, um, yeah, I, I don't... Like I say, I, I can't really argue with your team. I understand the reasonings behind it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually starts to white Gale, you know. Um, I mean, why not? I thought I thought he was going to bring him on today, and I thought that would have been the final nail in, in his coffin. But If he does, then I think we know that he's not really bothered about winning. No disrespect yeah. to Dwight. Um, but there is, I mean, let's be honest, there's a, if they win, they're into the last 16, there's a chance of a big tie and the confidence that comes from it. But also, I mean, it's not even just that, is there? I mean, let's let's just look a few miles down the road. Port Vale in terms of something. That big tie doesn't have to be Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, whoever. We, you know, there could be a part of his derby. And, then you'll, and then, then you'll see whether, the, whether these players want to fight and, um, you know, go... Um, you play play for the shirt and that in that game, wouldn't you? Over. That's a lose. That's a lose lose situation anyway. Be, but because it's to, an easy it's an easy route into the quarterfinals. Well, yeah, but we we this is Stoke City. We know that that won't be the case. And you imagine on the form that we're in, you imagine us losing that. Oh my God! Yeah. We think people are angry tonight. Like yeah. you, you just watch that happen. And my God, mate, that will be a hounding out job if that happened now. And we yeah. waited all these years, and we're going to get comfortably beat by Port Bloody Vale. Could you imagine? I mean, John Rogers, John Rogers. Torn loyalties. We, 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 the man we spoke to, haven't we? We've, we've spoke to him this morning. And yeah, I think. We yeah. Know. That's the one bit of positive, by the way, everybody, that we have had out today. Uh, yeah, we sat down with John Rogers this morning and um, it was great. We could have gone on for about three hours, couldn't we? Let's be honest. It's There were so many stories, so many things that you've never heard before. Um, and it's kind of a bit of a segue, but still, you know, it's. It, it was a, it was a great time. It was actually the highlight of the day, if I'm honest. And obviously, seeing your your face, of course, Daniel, at halftime. Of course. Um, is there anything else you want to to add on to this game? 
other than the fact I think we'll lose 3-0, uh, no. Okay, so you think we're going to lose 3-0. I think it's going to be 1-1, and I think we will win on penalties. Um, Are you drunk? <laughs> Super 6. Now, it hasn't officially ended, because as we're recording this, um, Newcastle and... Uh, Bre- uh, Newcastle and Sheffield United are still ongoing. However, I do not. The current score is seven nil to Newcastle with twenty minutes to go. What? This match is being played at uh, Sheffield United. They are seven nil down at home. There's twenty minutes left. Newcastle have had seven different goal scorers at this point. I'm not sure. I don't think I had seven. I think I may have stopped at two on my Super Six prediction, Mike. Well, I went 2-1. Uh, I've just seen here. I've got two points. That's two points in the bag. Um, yeah, I think we can both... I think most people are going to get two points from this game. I don't think as many will have had seven. I mean, I mean, it's, it's currently seven. By the time this recording goes out, it may have been double figures by the end of the match, man. <laughs> it may have been the first time ever where every player scores on the team. <laughs> the most optimistic uh, Newcastle fan has not gone for seven on their Super 6. No. Um, I will on, on the one point I will make is I did have 2 2 on Arsenal and Tottenham earlier on, so I have nabbed five points on you there. Oh. Yeah, I'm not, not, not very impressed. So, yes, I've got a little quiz for you to end with. Who am I? We do Who Am I, don't we, on these midweek podcasts? Daniel Buxton. Whee! I've won. Conquered the challenge. <laughs> so, uh, don't be so silly. Question number one. I played 245 times for Stokes, scoring 45 goals between 1996 and 2001. Can you give me five Ooh. seconds? Five, uh, four, three, uh, two, oh. one. Question number two. I made my international debut whilst at Stoke and scored my only international goal in 1999. I don't flipping know. <laughs> okay, moving on to number three then. So for three I ended my career at Carlisle, where I then had my only go at management in 2013-14 season. Five, four, three, two, one. Have you got a name? No. No, mate, this is awful. You might you might get it now. Question number four. This is where they get, they get a bit easier as they go on. So number four is a bit easier. I cost £250,000 from Middlesbrough. Screaming at the podcast, screaming at the at the phones or the relaxes or whatever they're listening to us on. I know, Middlesbrough, 250k from Middlesbrough. Yes. Oh, for God's sake! Because I, I can think of a few people that we've that we've had from Middlesbrough, but I think it was more than 250,000. Oh, for Five, God's sake! Um, four, three, two, think. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Question number five. This you should get it now. You should surely get it now. I scored our opening goal in the auto windscreen shield final in two thousand. Oh. <laughs> his name, is his name Graham Kavanagh? His name is Graham Kavanagh. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh for God's sake. That's why that, <laughs> that's why that was clue number five. <laughs> I know what though, it was that far back. I didn't even remember we sang, but he calved from Middlesbrough, you know. Yeah, his son's there now as well. There's some players in Middlesbrough now in the uh, South on loan at the minute. So he's uh, yes, following his dad's his dad's path. But yeah, 245 games, 45 goals, 96-2001. Ireland debut as a Stoke player, scored his only international goal whilst he was at Stoke. Um, ended his career at Carlisle. Let's see, then had a go at management. I'm kicking myself here. I should have known that. Uh, well, that's it then. All done. Um, 
good luck to those going down. Uh, it's going down to uh, Bournemouth for the game. Let's uh, let's hope that you know we can uh, maybe progress to the, the last sixteen and get a nice plum home tie against a team who hopefully won't ravages in the same way as Newcastle or Sheffield United right now. Uh, <laughs> um, and the good thing is, as well, Dan, people have got the uh, the John Rush interview to to listen to, haven't they? On Wednesday, I think we said. Yes, yeah, so that comes out on Wednesday. So anyone travelling down, you can listen to that. That'll fill a couple of hours of your time of the long journey down. It was, like I say, it was really, it was really good. It was a, like I say, it'd be about an hour and forty five, hour and fifty minutes, something like that. Um, but it's, it's great. It's a great looking back at obviously John's career generally. Um, but obviously we've we, there were some stories about Pulis and John Parkin and Boss Camp and. Sammy Bangora and Akinbay, but honestly, that if anyone is in that era, that you know that that early two thousands and 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 around fourteen years of, of obviously John's career, you're in for a hell of a treat. So, um, yeah. Without giving it away, what was your favourite? Just just say the player. Which your favourite story was? Oh. See, I've got to choose between John Parkin and Chris Abalumo. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know what? Because of the who the person was connected to the Iwilumo story, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have to go Iwilumo. But uh, yeah, I'm assuming you're gonna go uh, John Parkin. Uh, yeah, I think whatever one you said, I'd, I'd say the opposite. Like, if you take that one out, then yeah, then two stories for me stand out. Fantastic um, time with John, and oh, it, was, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, it was it was a brilliant interview. So um yeah, everyone hope you hope you enjoy it. You'll certainly enjoy it more than you enjoyed the the Stoke game today. Um and you know, me and Dan, of course, we'll be back on uh, on Friday again for uh, yet another part. I mean it'd be nice to actually, you know, win a game at some point. Yeah, when we when we review the, the win at Bournemouth and look forward to the win at Bristol City. The Talksport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.